Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly. And today, for the first time in this podcast history, I am bringing you a guest and I'm not going to tell you their big three. And this is, I mean, this is earth shattering. This is like, I, I mean, talk about 2020 being a big year. I mean, is this what it all comes down to? Is me here with the one and only Lisa Scheim? And we are not getting the big three. I think that this might be this might be the 2020 moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I've, um, so no one has not given their big three before. No, you are the only person. And <laughs> I, I think we're on episode. We're in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Episode 80s. This might even be in the 90s. I don't know. Okay. But it's been a, it's been a lot of conversations. Sometimes people don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, depend if they're not an, an astrologer or in the astrology space, I'm busting out time passages and doing mm-hmm. it for them. But yeah. we always get it somehow. Mm-hmm. So you are uh, our magical anomaly. And I'm I'm so curious and I mean intrigued by that there's so many amazing things that we can explore today um, you're a consulting astrologer you have an extremely rich practice you also are just have a brilliant mind I'm such a huge fan of your Twitter um, of all of your interpretations you have especially throughout 2020 have I feel been this really wonderful anchor of real talk and then also, support and sensitivity and empathy and compassion, which is, you know, it's, I guess it kind of folds into the first thing that comes to mind when I I talk to you and I ask for your big three and you're like, pass, which is the role of the astrologer. What is the role of the astrologer, especially in against the backdrop of a year, like what we've experienced I have personally been thinking so much about what it means to offer predictions mm-hmm. when the the president is also making predictions and how do I differentiate the type of predictions that I'm making to the type of predictions that Trump is making which obviously are completely different mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. but I really want to clarify it because I think it's important because the socio-political landscape of this moment is making is making it very hard to do our work. Mm. I think. Mm. Which, what your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think the most interesting part for me about this year, I mean, aside from just the personal impact, um, but astrologically, has been how you deliver good versus bad news. That's obviously like a simplistic dichotomy, saying it that way, but. Um, you know, people often shy away from like, I don't want to scare people like and there's often discussions even in the community of professional astrologers of what does it mean to give accurate information, but not overly worry people, right? <clears throat> so um, this year, I think has been a great example of when things are harder or darker, and you need to be accurate about that is that's, you know, that's not scaring people because on the other side, um, you could have said 2020 is going to be this amazing rosy year for everyone, you know, and then really get called on the carpet to be like, that's not what happened, you know, and so that there is a role to prepare people accurately for real life and real life has a very broad spectrum of content. Yes. And I think that if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, it's really using astrology as a way of talking about 
real life experiences and real life circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because the skeptic who is not listening to this show. <laughs> so not. like we don't really have to address them too much, but sure. like they're they're not a stars like us listener to begin uh-huh. with. But this the skeptic is like, well, astrology isn't real at all. But astrology is definitely more real than Donald Trump saying that the coronavirus isn't real. Sure. You know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> it's like if we were to make a matrix of real and not real, yeah. it's like that would live on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. Um because what we are talking about is trying is is basically connecting the orbits, connecting the planetary cycles to real things and finding the relationships between the orbits in the sky and what we're cycling through here mm-hmm. on Earth on the micro and macro level. Right. Um, and that is very much rooted in the tangible experience as opposed to delusion and make believe of the predictive work of one Donald Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually been kind of, on the one hand, I think that, that the events of 2020 has have really proven astrology more than usual. Not that I need it proved to myself, but I mean, you know, to anyone who's sort of casually watching, lots of astrologers before this year were like, oh, 2020 looks a little bit hard, you know, like, yeah, I think we were talking about it when we met last summer in Colorado. I think that we were, I think that one of the things that came up in our very brief cafe hang was like, Ooh, any thoughts about uh, that upcoming year? Right. And I I think most (laughs) astrologers, you know, I'm sure they varied on exactly how specific they got. I mean, I know that they did, but, but mostly agreed. Okay. That's a kind of a dark lineup, you know, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, all in Capricorn. Um, so I think on the one hand, 2020 has been, <laughs> if it's been great for anything, cause it's been not great for lots of things, but it's been great for anything. It has been like, okay, that's some credence. I've seen people actually say that who don't otherwise follow astrology. They're like, oh, okay, well, that that matched up, you know, let me look into this further. But I think in terms of the other piece you were talking about, um, that actually has been, I think, a little bit difficult, more than usual in terms of um, astrology always works from the context of the information that you have, or the information that you're given, or um, what you know about, you know, whether you're working with someone's life, people often say, like, well, the birth chart in front of you, you have to know what it's for. Is it for a building? Is it for a person? Is it for a turtle? You know, like, the context is going to be totally different. And what you would say would be totally different, even though the placements could be the same. So um, that's been a little bit rough, I think, in 2020, because there's been a lot more misinformation, a lot more conspiracy theories, you know, things like that have really grown this year. Um, And And so you have to still stay rooted in the context of the information that you, to the best of your knowledge, think is true, you know, and then work from there and, you know, astrology that you would normally do from that point. But um, not everyone's agreeing on the same facts this year, more than usual. Absolutely. I was really disheartened because, um, you know, I, one of the reasons that I, I found my way into astrology was because... I, because I have a, a very, I have Uranus in the galactic center and like, I'm just, you know, it's a very prominent placement in my chart. And like, I like to be controversial, mm. you know, I like to fuck things up and I like to be, I, I'm a little Gigi Allen punk baby, you know, like I was always, I'm always trying to like do something that the mainstream isn't doing. So mm. of course, lo and behold, 
astrology is mainstream. Mm -hmm. Great. Fabulous. But now, obviously, and and I'm kind of curious to about your thoughts on this. Obviously, the younger generation, uh, Pluto and Sag, have found a home within the structure of traditional astrology, whole sign astrology. And I love it. I'm here for it. But now because of me being so Uranian, I'm like, well, I'm going to go into Uranian astrology and I'm going to look at the trans-Neptunian planets mm-hmm. and I'm going to like go all the way on the other side mm-hmm. because I got to always be doing something different, which is like my blessing and burden. <laughs> but I was watching this video from this Uranian astrologer and to refamiliarize myself with those trans-Neptunian points. And it was horrendous. I mean, I had to, I couldn't even watch it. I had to completely turn it off because the, I mean, she was, it was so dystopian. It was so George Orwell, 1984, Mm. and it was so biased. It was clearly right-wing talking. I mean, it was clearly using this like QAnon out Mm -hmm. rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, all right, well, if this is what the Iranians are doing, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with them. Never mind. It's fine. I don't think they Um, are, but just to No, I don't think they all are either, but I was really, uh, it was deeply disturbing to hear that because Mm -hmm. her astrology wasn't wrong. It was just being interpreted really, really biasedly yeah. and really not objective, right. you know? Right. Yeah, no, I've definitely run across tons of that this year. And you can really tell way more than usual this year. I mean, you could tell before, but you could tell way more this year where people are getting their information from, right? Because it's just coming clearly out. If they really believe that QAnon is like, you know, the world framework right now, then that's coming out through the astrology. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I can see where they're getting their information then because so, um, yeah, I mean, it's vital. It's vital that we, I mean, and I think this has of course been discussed on just sort of the civic level, but like it's vital to a democracy to agree on facts, right? To have more more or less an agreement on what is, even if you disagree on what you would like to be or how you get there or all of those things, but to agree at least on a baseline, you know, consensus of facts. So we don't have that right now more than usual. Um, we have some of that, but it's, it's quite fractured. So yeah, that's, and I've thought about that a lot. I mean, it seems like it's, um, I know, you know, Chris Brennan has looked at this a bit, but it seems like it's peaked a little bit with the Jupiter Pluto conjunctions this year, because Pluto can be that kind of like paranoia or, um, digging for something but sometimes there's something to dig for and sometimes you're just digging in circles you know and thinking there's something there um but i've been wondering too about the neptune and pisces and it's funny that i'm just mentioning outer planet cycles here because i actually for the record um, do a lot of hellenistic stuff i do a kind of a blend of hellenistic and modern techniques in my practice but um but yeah that neptune and pisces i mean if you could think of any transit that's like most washed out from facts and details that could be neptune and pisces yeah and i mean it's been it we've been getting a lot of sextiles to it Mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of in the i think it's we've had our jupiter sextile uh, neptune Mm -hmm. throughout this year too which chris did this wonderful comparison chart of the covid spikes and jupiter pluto yes and then i with my weird ipad was like here's conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. 
doing that too. Mm -hmm. But I would actually, and it was sort of tongue in cheek because obviously that's completely anecdotal and not data-based at all, which is kind of like the whole issue with the conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would actually be quite interested in doing some, if we could quantify or create some sort of metric for the rhythm of Neptune within relation to all Mm -hmm. of this and how that has coincided with these subtopics Mm -hmm. and subdivisions of information and misinformation. Definitely. And it's just, it's been very hard. I mean, it's been emotionally, psychically, uh, academically, very rigorous this year because I feel so many people, I feel the desperation, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel a pull to trying to figure out what the answers are and what is going on and why this is happening. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that astrology does offer. But I would say that where it kind of begins and ends for me is like, it offers a timeline, you know, it offers Mm -hmm. cycles. How those cycles manifest is, is in our hands. And it's like the more that we allow these algorithms or you know profit astrologers to take have agency over those cycles the more it's like the cycles are it's kind of like an ai going out of control you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i can see that yeah it's been really interesting i mean yeah i mean people get people get really weird when there's terrible stuff going on in the world you know if it's particularly if it feels like out of your control you know um and some people just kind of sit with that and they're like okay this is terrible right now and some people are like there must be a reason i've got to find a reason you know and conspiracy theories actually do flourish when there are major things happening like this that where you feel like life is out of control i mean but life is never that's that's where like i guess i'm not very conspiracy theory prone but um like life is never fully under your control. And that's actually a piece of what I think astrology is useful for because it kind of shows like here you are in the matrix of like your life and the different pieces and people and you're in different areas of your life. And here's when things are going to be kind of more of like this flavor of life. And here's when, you know, it's going to shift to this and here's where your attention is going to focus on a different subject. And, you know, it, it's never all coming from you or self-will, you know, I'm, I mean, different astrologers, for sure, that's like a hot topic, like people fall on different places in that spectrum of like fate versus free will. Um, And I'm perhaps a little bit more on the fated side, but um, although not exclusively so, but yeah, I mean, it's like, things are never fully under your control. And astrology is actually a great thing to help describe what that looks like, like, this is your life right now. This is kind of what your life will look like in next year, you know, what do you want to do with that within that? Right. Yeah, I mean that's exactly that's that's very much how I use it too. I I see the chart and moving through the chart and moving through cycles as such a gift of consciousness, you know, that we will have different chapters and different themes and different expressions and then you know, there might be something that is recurring in its cyclical nature, whether it is a, you know, we're tracking a 12-year Jupiter cycle or the Draconic cycle or whatever it is, you know, that we're following and we're seeing the repetition or at the time of this recording, our upcoming great conjunction, our 20-year cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we know that we're at, you know, at those milestones, at those moments where we're either closing or opening those are, I would say, those those portals. Those are those magical 
opportunities that we say, okay, well, how do we want to, you know, if we were to want to direct this somewhere, Mm -hmm. how would we want to wedge it? Because we know it's happening. So we can either let it happen as we like sit on our couch and do nothing Mm -hmm. and watch the office for the sixth time, or we can start sending emails. We can go back on the dating apps. We can like, we can use this to enhance our life because we know that there's an opportunity or we don't, you know, or we just let it go and see what happens. Mm. But I think that there is this sweet spot of sort of being aware of when there's great timing and then also being aware of when we can just sort of back off and let life happen, Mm -hmm. which I guess is a good segue into talking about timing, which is one of the, um, one of the the main characteristics and um, something that you is emphasized within your practice. Yeah. So I do a lot with timing, um, both with modern cycles and Hellenistic timing techniques. And um, it's interesting that I was just reflecting on recently how much when people don't know much about astrology, they always think astrology is about birth charts, right? Like, oh, what does my chart say? But um, that's just kind of that that's the fixed piece of when you were born, what the sky looked like. And it does show some things that will be true or important throughout your life. <clears throat> but there's so much more that unfolds later through timing. And um, there's so many different cycles going on with timing at once, actually. So <clears throat> the thing that I think is really interesting about timing that I've thought about recently is how we tell our life stories. And Life stories are often framed as though time is linear. And it's, it's actually easier, I think, for many people to think about their life as a linear process. Because like, right, you age and you get older and you, you, know, you build on your early years, you're learning, you're going to school, and then you build a career and maybe a relationship. You know, the, there are things that are sort of linear about time. I was thinking about time recently. Someone was asking about me about this and it sparked this thought. Like, Really, if you know astrology, it's kind of like you're looking at time through a microscope and there's a whole bunch of little squiggly things going on. It's not just like one piece, right? So you can think about any of the cycles, like you were just mentioning the Jupiter-Saturn cycle that's once every 20 years. That's a cycle you can track. People track their solar year, you know, their solar return, um, which is from one birthday to the next. People track perfection years, which is also one birthday to the next. You can track Saturn returns, which is about 29 and a half year cycle. And then I use zodiacal releasing, which is actually like a little bit more of a linear process. So you, it's really interesting that much of what was what is going on with astrology is time going forward in like 10 different ways at once. Yeah, I, I have described it before as sort of like the gears of the FAO Schwartz clock or of some sort of like elaborate decorative clock mm. where you have like all of these different turning dials Mm -hmm. and they're all on their own speed, Mm -hmm. but they're all working within the same apparatus. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about tracking, looking at a a very ornate clock, you know, you might have a dial that is months as well as hours Mm -hmm. and minutes and seconds. And each one of those is basically like the planets, you know, and then when they all synchronize at the same moment, you know, if you were to have all the dials at noon, 
at that 12 o'clock position, you'd be like, wow, what a what a magical effect. And that's kind of what we got in 2020 is right. like all of these different tiles were like, whoa, I didn't know that you guys were going to ever see each other right. like that all at the same calendar year. Right. True. And then that's another interesting facet because we have collective time, right? Like we have those collective cycles that affect all of us to some degree, even though some people more than others. Um but then we have all of our individual timing and all of this kind of overlaps in really fascinating and intricate ways. So I think it's, I mean, I, when I first got interested in astrology, it really matched the particular interest I had earlier on in my life of like why we all have such different life stories and not just different personalities. Cause I was kind of interested in that too, but like why our lives go in such different directions at, at different times. So we have the individual and then we have like, the cycles that actually sort of subtly and sometimes unknowingly link us up with other people's timing. Like um, yeah. I've been fascinated, for instance, by I've seen this over and over this year in particular, although before this year as well, where if you have people with the same rising sign. So I use whole sign houses, by the way, primarily. I am not an evangelist, but I <laughs> do use whole sign houses primarily. And so if you use whole sign houses, then people with the same rise, all people with the same rising sign, any of the one of the 12 rising signs will have the same transits going on in the same houses, you know, at the same time during that year. And if you talk to lots of clients or lots of people in your life, they're, the things that are happening in those areas of their life match up super well. I mean, not always like exactly the same, but like strikingly well. And um, I think that's actually like another fascinating piece you can watch with time is like, we're actually, we all have these individual stories, which you can, you know, map through the timing, but we also have like timing that unknowingly connects us to lots of other people. And if we only talk to them, we would know, you know, mm -hmm. um, I had a client once this year or sometime this year who was telling me about the transits, the, the cap, let's see, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus transits of the late 1980s. Um, you know, that stellium that happened like in the late 80s. So that's, that's what I, have. okay. <laughs> Cause I was gonna say, I actually personally know lots of people with um, that stellium, but for those of us who were around before then, we remember it as a very weird transit, <laughs> a weird set of transits, you know, um, it was a strange time. And and so, and she had the same rising sign as I did. And she, she like described what happened in her life around that time. And I was like, you know, you kind of have to, if you're an astrologer, you, you know, the, the session is not for you. you. If you have a reaction, you have to kind of put it aside. But at the time, but I was, I had actually like a really similar, like strikingly similar set of circumstances happen to me in the same area of life at the same time, you know, the late eighties with that stellium transit. And I was like, wow. And it's just, you know, it was one of those moments that I think is great with astrology where you kind of have a sense of awe of like, there's just all these weird things happening that you don't actually always see in the moment. But yeah, like time is very weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, this is why I think it's very interesting that we don't have your big three is because <laughs> not, not to not to not to dwell on this like mm. I know yeah. you're probably like oh my god shut no, up no. I should have just said it <laughs> but it's to me you know I, when I was younger and not just when I was an astrologer mm -hmm. when I in in my life I really wanted to maintain this neutrality mm -hmm. and I felt like neutrality was essential for me to be a creator mm. and. I, when I was in college, when I was 
for my art thesis, I like tried to basically mine YouTube and like create this uh, like full sensory experience of like what it would be like to live inside of YouTube. I mean, this is, I was 19, you know, (laughs) it's like fine. But my professors were like, well, you're, you're the one searching. Mm -hmm. You're the one like aggregating that content. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm doing it randomly. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think that I had a hard time embodying, figuring out how I could embody myself and also be neutral and be sort of objective mm-hmm. and be an expert. Mm-hmm. And I, I I haven't figured out like a cute slogan for mm-hmm. it, but I think that what, what I've kind of found myself doing is when I'm having an experience with somebody, because I always have clients who either have are going through similar things, mm-hmm. have similar narratives, like something, there's some sort of a weird parallel uh-huh. more often than not. And I say it when it when I see it, mm-hmm. you know, because I know that it's like if I hold it in, it's like I'm it's almost like I feel like I'm keeping a secret mm, from them. Interesting. But I so I have to say like, you know, this is separate from what I'm going to share with you, but I want to let you know that I really relate to this narrative. And then how much mm-hmm. I'll share on how much I relate right. is from person to person, but it almost like if I don't say it, it almost feels like I'm like keeping a weird secret mm. and then it, it starts to have more power than me being able to then be like, okay, that aside, uh-huh. back to your chart, <laughs> right, you know? Right. Um, and that's, it, again, like it, I don't have like a clean way of describing that process, mm-hmm. but it almost is kind of like getting my humanness out of the way sure. in order and getting my own shit, like acknowledging it, recognizing it as a thing moving it to the side so that I can focus back on the work itself because otherwise it like becomes this weird sub narrative that the <laughs> client doesn't know but I know and then I feel like it could you know negatively affect the work that I'm doing because I mm. do want the work that I'm doing with someone to be clean sure. you know yeah I'm sure that comes up for lots of people yeah because there is this weird sort of confluence that can happen the sort of like weird metaphysical you know synchronicity thing with consulting astrologers where people do sometimes come either with um, similar placements to your own chart or similar stories. I mean, I don't always get similar stories as from compared to me. I often get them in clusters, like clusters of charts in a row that have similar placements, like strikingly similar placements or are going through the exact (laughs) same experiences or worries or, you know, like why they're coming to me. I definitely get clusters. So I get that actually a lot more than things that are similar to my life. But every now and then I do get something that's kind of weird. That was one. And I I mean, I think in that experience, I just did say sort of note quickly. I was like, yeah, I remember that was actually, I remember that was a (laughs) weird set of transits. I remember how that felt too. And I had a similar experience, but then we went on and, you know, I didn't like dwell on it in any way, but, but I did note like, yes, I remember that time too, you know, whereas you won't always be able to do that depending on like the age of the people consulting with you and, you know, where you are. But, um, but in that instance, I could, I had one, there was only one that was so strikingly similar to my life, like down to the details of what I was dealing with, that I was actually kind of thrown for a moment. And I had to like really (laughs) consciously reorient. It doesn't happen often at all, but it did happen once so weirdly that I was, I was a little bit taken aback. (laughs) Could you track what the similarity was in the charts? Mm, Not to the level that one would expect from the similarity on the surface. I mean, 
We had similar circumstances just in the basic birth chart that I think set out the same, you know, similar um, circumstances, but in terms of like that we were actually going through these very specific details at the same time, no, not really. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. So do you feel like that can just sort of sit and live and just be that sort of like hmm, unknown or do you are you prompted to be like, what was it? What made it that it was? that there were these two sort of Mm -hmm. mirrored experiences. I've done like, and I've been consulting long enough, you know, with astrology to see a lot of those patterns come up that I'm just accepting at this point of it's weird. Astrology is weird. Astrology (laughs) is weird that it even works. And it it deals with these, you know, I I guess I just accept it as part of that set of weirdness (laughs) in the world because astrology is weird that it works at all then like people are i do i don't think this is actually like a platitude like people are definitely drawn to you for a reason versus another astrologer um i mean i don't want to say that as like a whole 100 percent blanket statement but i mean oftentimes and so i think there are some synchronicities involved in why they're drawn to you or when they're drawn to you or things of that nature because they have their own timing going on you know and so i don't think at that level you can always trace like exactly what that looks like but i mean sometimes you can but like for instance with the one where we had the same rising sign you know but um, yeah i just kind of accept that like astrology is just this whole set of like mapping the weirdness of the universe and so experiences like that are just like part and parcel though at the time which was a while ago when i had the one that was like super striking it did throw me more than i think it would now yeah i I love that you just sort of accept the weirdness. It's like there are just certain things that just have to live as these unexplained oddities, you know, mm-hmm. like why does it work so perfectly? Like, you know, we can take these cycles that we experience and project them out onto the planets and the celestial bodies and find a perfect mirror, you know, our emotions to the moon, um, our abundance and fortune to Jupiter, Mm -hmm. the way that we grow up to Saturn, Mm -hmm. you know, the timing matches really, oh, it's a wonderful parallel, but why it works, Mm -hmm. why those parallels are so pronounced and so effective Mm -hmm. and like, especially what we saw this year, just so literal, like, it's like, how, how could it be? It, it's beyond me, Mm -hmm. you know, it truly Mm -hmm. is beyond me. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. Sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like I like I I see it as this really cool thing that my, you know, reptile brain just probably isn't going to get. But I'm still that doesn't dissuade me from wanting to continue to explore it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literal astrology is actually one of my favorite things just because it makes <laughs> me laugh most of the time. The literalness of the 2020 astrology does not make me laugh so much. But usually other other circumstances, um, it really does. Because I get because it's, I guess, just such proof that astrology works you know and it's almost like just a really loud proof so like for instance um for all the people i've consulted with this year last year and this year you've had libra rising they've had um the harsh capricorn transits jupiter saturn pluto and capricorn going through their fourth right whole sign fourth um and so i've often used this analogy of like needing to dig up your sewer lines like that as an analogy for you know, the kind of delving into the fourth house of the home family, you know, um, 
under under the earth it's literally called under the earth traditionally the fourth houses and so i've used that as like a, a metaphor for what people might experience this coming year i've had like a handful of people write me back and say they had to literally dig up their sewer lines like <laughs> yeah i i i totally believe it i mean i every time i have an eighth house transit i have some sort of like a mice infestation problem oh wow like literally to the day it's mm -hmm. like there comes the sun there comes a big planet and then like here comes me calling the exterminator, wow. you know, huh. like in all different shapes and sizes. Uh -huh. Like it's crazy. Um, but it feel it's always just so on the nose. Mm -hmm. But when you become sort of tuned into those cycles and the imagery and the metaphors and the symbolism and the poeticism, for me it's so fulfilling and it's mm -hmm. so nurturing to get to see these I, I guess sort of like the mythology play out in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I was mentioning recently on Twitter that people who have ninth houses related to Mercury are often drawn to astrology. And um, that can be Mercury in the ninth, Mercury ruling the ninth, or the ninth house ruler being in a Mercury ruled sign. So it can be like a variety of different ways that it's connected to the ninth. But, you know, the ninth house is about how you understand the world. Like, so that's why it contains religion, philosophy, as I'm sure you know, you know, but saying this for listeners, um, religion, philosophy, even politics sometimes, because it's your worldview. It's like how you understand how life works. So astrology has been that for me. It's like, okay, look, look, this is working. You know, you can kind of map it. And I think that's why, Merc you know, when Mercury is connected to the ninth, it's like a more specific detail-oriented way of understanding life or correlating things with life, correlating the details, you know, and facts of your circumstances with life, which is a Mercury thing. So that's always the role it's played for me is like, I'm not really like a belief person per se. Some people are oriented towards understanding life through like faith, like religious faith. That's one way of understanding things. I'm definitely not like a faith person for, you know, for better or worse. Um, I want to see a little bit of like, why, you know, why do you say this is the way it is? And astrology definitely gives that to me. And I think to a lot of people it's like, there's something going on here. It's not just randomness, you know? Yeah. I what I what we say in um the community that I run called the Constellation Club is Tank, which means there are no coincidences. Mm, yeah. And the irony of Tank is that, you know, there are no coincidences, but that doesn't mean that we're always gonna be able to figure out what why the synchronicity happened. Right, you know, right. I think and that's why, you know, we kind of came up with this little cute catchphrase is because it's like there are no coincidences. That's that, you know, right, right. <laughs> like end of story, like something magical happened. Cool. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can dig in and explore it and go further. And then sometimes you can't. And like, that's just the magic of it. Right. Is that there are just these, I mean, because we're also in cycles that transcend our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, if I, if, if I think about the things that I cannot understand I think about the cycles that I'm not going to see in completion. Mm -hmm. And being a part of a Neptune cycle or being a part of a Pluto cycle means that I'm just, you know, I'm I'm picking up where someone else left mm -hmm. off. And it's not, you know, personal, but on a collective level, picking up where someone, where the collective left mm -hmm. off, taking it to a certain level, and then I'm passing the torch. Right. With Neptune, with Pluto, you know, with Chiron, like with those really far out distant planets and celestial bodies, um, we're not experiencing the full rotation of it, which means that we're not going to ever be able to understand how it works. 
But that is why it's quite interesting to be at the end of the U.S. Pluto cycle <laughs> and to be alive in this moment, because we do get to see it from this perspective, which is very, very unusual. Right. <laughs> interesting in quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's true. And that's a really great description of, I think, the antithesis of or the counterpoint to what people often who don't know astrology sort of assert about like the problems with focusing on astrology, because it's often like, oh, well, you're, you're hyper-focusing on your own life, you know, or like not the rest of the world, or you're just, you just care about like, what is your sun sign or that kind of thing. When actually, if you know the fullness of astrology, it connects you to other people and to the entire world, really. Um, it's just a matter of like where you put your attention. Right. And you can, you know, it's, it really is that telescope microscope, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the spirit of as above, so below, but it's that microcosm, macrocosm, and like how many ways do we want to play with this kaleidoscope lens of zooming out or zooming in? Mm -hmm. And you know, I find myself on a really, you know, on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis, I'll want to get really granular. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I'll want to explode it out mm -hmm. and just look at things. When I was writing my book uh, for the duration of this year, I don't recommend writing a book during a pandemic. <laughs> no, but so so I it mean, goes. You're at home. <laughs> that, yeah, it just no, I know a little hard to concentrate. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, but I found myself in the process of not being able to justify writing my book in a pandemic yeah, yeah. and having a real existential crisis looking at 500-year cycles, 600-year mm -hmm. cycles, mm -hmm. because I needed a bigger picture than just me on my couch yeah. at that moment, mm -hmm. you know? And that was what was soothing me through that process yeah. and providing me incredible solace was like, you know, what was going on in the last the last time we had the, this many planets in Capricorn, mm -hmm, definitely. you know, and how is where I am today relative and contextualized to these bigger transits that I wasn't alive to see right. the first time, but now I'm here linked to people who lived 500 years ago. And that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So that gave me the confidence and the inspiration and the focus to like, be like, okay, well, I'm going to create art for this moment. Mm -hmm. So in 500 years from now, the next person who's writing it hopefully on their fucking flying car because if we don't have them in 500 years, humans really blew it. Yeah, I mean, and that is, to me, this like sort of ineffable beauty of the work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I've heard a lot of people who had been revisiting the Saturn-Pluto section of um, Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche book this year. Yes. And I had several... several <laughs> I definitely <laughs> I definitely bought that book again because yeah. I couldn't find my copy. And I was like, you got to get over here. Right. <laughs> and I, I revisited that a, a few years ago when I knew Saturn was going to be first going into Capricorn because that really set off, you know, that co-presence, even if it wasn't conjunct by degree yet, you know, for a few years. And... And so I did that a few years ago and I was like, okay, all darkness now, <laughs> you know, all the dire things, but you know, and I know some people found that hard to read through because there can be so many dark things. And if you, for anyone who's listening, you haven't, you know, looked at cosmos and psyche, it's basically a, um, a macrocosmic astrology book looking at, you know, centuries and thousands of years of 
history in light of outer planet cycles in particular. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the epitome of genius. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> he took 30 years to write it, to research and write it. So yeah, um, that was actually his Saturn return, I think, that whole bookend of writing that book. Anyway, so some people have said that it was hard to read through, the Saturn-Pluto part, I mean, because it was dark, because it was very dark. But I thought I had a similar feeling as what you were just describing, which is... This gives context. This gives a bigger picture where it could feel overwhelming to just be in this moment right now within the context of only your own lifespan and go like, oh my God, this is horrible. And like, it still is horrible. It doesn't change that. But, um, you know, people are dying. That's like an objective, like terrible fact. Um, but if you zoom out more, then, you know, you, you see other things. And so it's not only that. And you see, you do get a bigger perspective. And I think astrology is great for that in general, getting a bigger perspective, no matter what scale you're looking at. Right. And it's like, if we want to fold that in and get really, you know, if we want to look at the transits for someone on a particular day, mm -hmm. you know, if we want to look at, if we want to just look at the the beautiful, consistent moon, um, that is, and that brings comfort to somebody. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's also the same fucking thing. Right, you know, right. it's like, it's like, they're all just, you know, it's like that, that clock with just a lot of different measurements. Oh, and sure. it's but the time is the time is the time. And it's just a matter of like, do you want to do the biggest hand? Do you want to do the fastest moving hand? Mm -hmm. What, whatever floats your boat. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that especially with 2020 and people needing astrology for comfort. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I guess I would love for listeners to know that there's so many different ways that astrology can be useful for providing perspective. Yeah. And a lot of people had other things going on in their individual timing this year that wasn't only about dire and dark. You know, it's like, yes, that yes. is the collective backdrop going on. But I've been actually really surprised at how many of my clients are just coasting along, thriving. I mean, of course, they're affected by what's going on collectively, but like a number of individual people, you know, are doing fine. And that is because their individual timing is fine, you know, um, right. or showing something even flourishing. Um, I, I do a lot of more of the individual time. I have to say, I just like knowing the perspectives of both. And I mean, most consulting astrologers do focus there in terms of individual lives and, you know, sort of smaller scales of timing. It's funny. I actually... Yeah, I like the big spectrum, you know, what you were just talking about, about the, the big macrocosmic scale, like long historical cycles. And then I use a timing, a Hellenistic timing technique called zodiacal releasing, and it subdivides time on like a bunch of multiple levels. And you can get down to like the level fours, for instance, are just like a handful of days. But I've actually noticed that even level fives, you can watch them appear, which is basically a matter of like half a day. And or mm. or less. I like to look at all of it, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all just it's astrology is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, it's just it's there's so many different ways to explore a moment, a chart, a person, a concept. Mm -hmm. And especially as we move into 2021, um, which I don't know, I I, I finally just. I finally looked at it. I finally went in and I really, I combed through mm -hmm. and I had, you know, I was like watching it a little bit, but it was just, it's been hard for me to look at 2021 because 2021 is going to be a response to 
what happens in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying happens, even though we're at the end, sure. we still got, got these month. four fucking weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a lot of stuff going yeah. on. Um, so it's like I can this, but objectively, the astrology is very different. It's very it different yes. astrology mm-hmm. than 2020. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, it's actually like if it wasn't against the backdrop of 2020, it would be like a very light year. Yes. It would be, <laughs> yes, <I laughs> it's agree. like we have like th- like four eclipses. It's like the lowest number of eclipses we've had in years. Like it's a pretty gentle year, but because it's going to be so much recovering, mm-hmm. obviously that changes what the function of what is happening is doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I said in um, it was like the year ahead panel we had at our local astrology group last year. Um, all of a sudden we were all kind of like, well, the best thing about 2020 is going to be getting to the end of it. And I did not know how prescient that was going to be, honestly, like, because I, I don't even normally do general weather forecasts. I usually focus on the individual stuff. Um, it's like, oh, no, that's true. We're all just hanging out in our houses, like waiting for vaccines. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So, um, but yes, I agree. It, you know, there's so much in air compared to Earth. All of a sudden, there's Jupiter and Saturn moving out of very heavy Capricorn co-presence with Pluto. All of a sudden, it's going to be not with Pluto. It's going to be in an air sign instead. That's much lighter energy. I mean, it does. The Jupiter-Saturn do have squares to Uranus all year, sort of a loose ongoing square. And so that would be some destabilization. But still, it, I agree, it totally looks lighter than this year. But in terms of those, speaking of, you know, Richard Tarnas, um, you know, Cosmos and Psyche things, um, he gives a wide orb to those con- to those um, outer planet cycle aspects and especially the conjunctions. So honestly, even though much of the astrology will be lighter, we're still going to be in the conjunction. I mean, Saturn, and I looked back at some of those past ones, it's like important stuff that's very Saturn-Pluto is still happening when Saturn gets into the next sign. I mean, it will feel lighter, I think, but that doesn't mean we're like clear of the heavy restructuring of Saturn-Pluto. Well, yeah, and we're all, it's all fixed, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to be trying to define everything Mm -hmm. and create and clarify and put boundaries on things and batten down the hatches. And I think that people are going to be shocked by how strict 2021 gets Mm. in relation to 2020, because in 2021, it's like, we're trying, we're trying to fix it. You Mm -hmm. know, that's what the fix signs Mm. do. They're trying to fix things. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is going to require a lot of, I think, really shocking for a a lot of people, especially a lot of Americans, a lot of quite shocking restrictions and and, Mm. um, rules that we did not see in 2020. And I would not say that was for the better. Mm. You think there'll be more? I do. Uh, I think that that's going to be, at least from this moment, you know, at the time of this recording, December (laughs) 2nd, (laughs) 2020, Mm. the way that I see these fixed sign squares, we start with, we only have one exactitude of Jupiter and Uranus, and then we have three Saturn Uranus Mm. throughout 2021. But I do see it as very much sort of like, nope, this is these are the rules, you know, there are rules now. And that's the only way that we're going to reconcile. Yeah, this. yeah, there could be. I mean, I think there'll be more protests because of the Saturn Definitely. Uranus square. And that's when that dipped in this late spring, early summer. That's when there were a lot of protests this year. 
Um, so we had that little preview. Totally. And we're almost at the 20. We're, we're basically back in March mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're finding our way. Saturn is finding its way back to March. And Jupiter has not gone to March yet. Right, so right. it'll be really interesting to see what happens when Jupiter reaches that degree that it was that Mars was at mm-hmm. when the outbreak started. Mm, right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's lovely. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there'll just be so much more dynamic astrology too, because obviously countries are not in, countries have charts too, right? And so we're in the US Pluto return, as you mentioned, it doesn't get exact and for the first time by degree until 2022. That means we're very, very close to exact in 2021. And then the Saturn moving into Aquarius, that is if you use the US Sibley chart, which I primarily do. Is that with the U.S. as Saturn's rising? Yeah. Yeah. The natal moon is an Aquarius of the U.S. chart, of the U.S. Sibley chart. So that does mean that Saturn's transiting through the sign of the U.S. natal moon. So, I mean, that is actually sort of apropos for like restrictions or, you know, something sobering. And I think we're all just because it's been so heavy with the transits in Capricorn this year in 2020, I think lots of astrologers, myself included, are like, come on, 2021, at least it'll be an air sign, you know. But so, we do have to remember at the same time, Saturn still traditionally rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. And so it's still Saturn in its own sign. That's still a very strong Saturn. Yes. I, I'm kind of, I'm curious, before we conclude today, I would love to know how you would describe Saturn in Capricorn mm. versus Saturn in Aquarius, mm-hmm. because yes, in traditional, that's the, these are both Saturn domains, mm-hmm. um, and I I really do abide by that. I really do see Saturn as working as both a Capricorn and an Aquarius daddy. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. would you note the differences between Saturn in those respective zodiacs? I think mostly I just think about the element, and so the element of Earth is not just a heavier feeling, kind of viscerally, but it is focused on material things, um, the material world, I mean, I don't mean like materialism, um, but material world. And so we're, we're looking at, you know, do we have, do we have food? Do we have shelter? You know, like some basic, you know, life planning things in terms of Aquarius, Aquarius is an air sign. And so it's not just that I think it will feel a little lighter, but it's also air signs are usually more focused on social systems. And I think systems in particular for Aquarius um, with the Saturn involved, because it's not just social like you and your friends. It's like the entirety of like how our social systems set up, which is like your whole country, the whole world in some ways, you know? So I think it's also often more uh, about communication versus like the here and now versus the, you know, yeah, just the material world. And so communications, I think, will also be a bigger thing, which is kind of an interesting thing this year with Saturn dipping into Aquarius for a few months this spring and early summer. um, There was so much more focus all of a sudden on the internet, right? And um, this is actually going to be the Saturn return, I think, of at least one major component of the internet, of the World Wide Web. And so I think there's going to be especially with the, I don't know how exactly this is going to play out, but I just have a hunch that given the conspiracy theory rise this year, and there was actually a lot more attention on like social media's um, spread of such things and like how unregulated social media could be like a social harm. I do think that combined with the Saturn return of pieces of the internet in Aquarius 
is going to be more regulation. And we've seen a little bit starting this year, yes. you know, with Twitter kind of like flagging things eventually, where they were like really held out for a long time. They're kind of finally flagging misinformation about the virus, misinformation about the presidential election, things like that. I think we will see more attempted regulation of communication systems, which is like Saturn. And if and you think about it, I mean, Saturn being in a queer, I was watching, I watched the, uh, the social dilemma mm -hmm. and uh, one of the sort of major narratives is like who's accountable who's accountable and it's like well if the internet is having its saturn return mm -hmm. the internet is accountable you know like that is what saturn right. return is about it's about accountability and taking responsibility for your shit right so it's like yes of course we're gonna have to see we've seen internet 1.0 we've seen internet 2.0 mm. this internet hasn't even been defined you know like where we are with the role of individualism mm. and influence and virality, you know, that mm -hmm. is like, yes. we, we can't even clarify that. We don't even have cute words for it. You know, right. it's kind of just this Frankenstein of a situation. Right. Um, and I think that the Sa Saturn finally, at the internet finally growing up is going to hopefully have, you know, feel capable of saying like, okay, I am important. You know, I I do have a lot of um, I do have a lot on my plate. Maybe I need help. You know, maybe I need to, you know, be a little. I need to bring in some ethics. Mm -hmm. I think ethics as a concept mm -hmm. is also very Saturn and Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see, uh, you know, deeper and richer conversations about creating more ethical codes, more philosophical thought, more sort of defining like. As you said at the beginning, you know, like uh, that we agree upon these pillars of truth. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we have to have the same politics and it doesn't mean we have to vote for the same people, but we need to at least have anchors of reality that we can all agree are real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the internet is strikingly young, you know, when you really think right. about it compared to many of the other pieces of our existence, the internet is quite young. And so, yes, when people have Saturn returns, like their first Saturn return, I mean, it's often about like growing up. It's often about taking more responsibility, realizing what you need to change about the structures of your life, other things too, that's a whole aside. But um, so yes, I do think that will be a major thing coming up. I also think that'll be particularly true in the US because the Pluto transits in the US, we haven't gotten to the exact Pluto return, but we have had Pluto um, hitting the US Mercury. The US has a natal Mercury-Pluto opposition. And I actually had tracked this and then I lost my notes, which is terrible. I tracked this for a while. Um, there's There's been this longstanding pattern of changes in um, regulation around communication piece, around communications, like large scale communications, regulating TV, radio, things like that, um, when things were hitting the US Mercury, especially Pluto Mercury. Wow. So um, I, it just makes me crazy that I lost my notes and I'd have to reconstruct that entire thing. But anyway, I can say that as a statement generally. And so I do think because we're going to have more of that going on this coming year, even though we've already had that coming this year, I think that's actually part of the rise in some of the alternative stations beyond Fox News, like OANN and um, there's another one I'm forgetting the name of. Right. And there's social media that's being, you know, that all of the conspiracy theorists and the, uh, you know, all the radicalized spiritualists are moving mm. to. Yeah. 
like parlor. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm too I'm too scared <laughs> to even know what they are. I don't I'm like I'm so freaked out about cults. I think that I think I messaged Chris actually. Uh, he had made a tweet and I think I messaged him like a year ago being like, yo, have you looked into this cult thing at all? Mm. Because it's like, I just, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And, but I also have Pluto conjunct my midheaven and I'm a, you know, paranoid bitch. So obviously the idea of, you know, Saturn and Aquarius also culting itself up is very frightening to me. I also have to say that the weird relationship between you know, Uranus in a, in Taurus and it, you know, and like if we're using the modern, like this weird sort of like not mutual reception, mm. but kind of like there's a weird relationship between Uranus being unhappy in Taurus mm. and then Saturn being in Aquarius and like Uranus's unhappiness kind of pulling us back to Saturn and like that then if you were using modern going back to Uranus and it just it's so messy and weird (laughs) well I think you know I think we have to remember with Saturn and Aquarius that is a good thing for the internet to grow up and like realize that there needs to be maybe some more responsibility taken regulation etc but you know there there can be a backlash to that not just a backlash but I mean there can be a bad side to that too like who is regulating it who makes the rules you know and that is a very Saturn thing who makes the rules and the Aquarius being you know the the social collective or the communication collective so yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a tension and there's going to be a struggle around some of that, for sure. The great news is of 2021, I would say, like, really what gets me super excited is Jupiter moving into Pisces. Uh-huh. That yeah. feels that feels beautiful. Mm-hmm. It also can feel terrifying. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it will join It's Neptune. like if we're talking about escapism, it will join you know. <laughs> no, I know, but I think we'll feel better, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll all be like self-medicating right. on <laughs> mushrooms, but it'll be lovely. No, I think everyone's looking forward to that that knows any astrology because we will have this little preview of Jupiter in Pisces for like about two and a half months before it go- goes back to Aquarius. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Well, I have loved talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Um, Where can we find you and how can we continue to track your timing? I am at lisashime.com. It's not phonetic, but hopefully it'll be spelled out on the the link. It will be, yes. (laughs) Yeah, um, Yeah, that's where you can find me. I have few lectures for sale over there. I do consultations. Um, You can also find me on the astrology podcast, um, occasionally on some of the topical episodes, but more regularly on the auspicious elections podcast, the monthly um, subscriber benefit at the $5 tier or higher, where I pick out the best dates and times each month um, to do to start important things for better um, results. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been such a treat. Yeah, quite welcome. Thanks for talking today. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. 